0: I don't have puppets. (laughs) Um, We invite you to take out your Bible or open up your Bible app to get to today's reading from Paul's letter to Hebrews, beginning with chapter 11. There are Bibles in the back of the chairs, and they are free for the taking if anyone needs one. And now for today's scripture reading, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 3 through 3, 1 to 3, and 29, and chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible by faith the people passed through the red sea as if it were dry land but when the egyptians attempted to do so they were drowned therefore since we are surrounded by so great of a cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, so that you may not grow weary in your souls or lose heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: You have a word, Carter? It was fair. Okay, It's fair. fair. Yeah. We just had to remind the youth on Wednesday that for the youth word of the day, it needs to be English. (laughs) Because that's what I speak. (laughs) And probably not a scientific word either, because that's also a different language. So thank you, Carter. Let's take a deep breath. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In my early 30s, I decided that I would never marry. I know that seems funny now, but it was no joke. I had reached a place of contentment in my life. I really enjoyed my work. I had purchased a house. I had adopted a dog. I lived near family. I was the really fun aunt to two young nephews with a niece on the way. I was really happy. I didn't want to get married. And besides that, in that current situation, it just didn't seem likely that I would find a good partner at that point in my life. So I adjusted my expectations. Expectation is the theme of our current worship series, Sainted. We kicked off this series last week on All Saints Day when we celebrated the lives of our loved ones who have died in the past year. And we took the opportunity to remind ourselves that a saint is anyone who follows Jesus in any time and place, including us. And before we let ourselves become too uncomfortable with that idea, we can look at the messy lives of the saints who are described in our holy text, such as Abraham. Through a series of difficult situations, including the near sacrifice of his son Isaac, Abraham learns to expect life from death. That brings us to today's text, which probably sounds familiar because we read most of it Last week, starting with the definition of faith and concluding with this idea of a great cloud of witnesses. But the part in the middle was different today. In the middle, today we get a snippet of the story of the Hebrew people as they escape from Egypt. Like Abraham, the people who follow Moses are held up as a great example of faith. Remember, faith is the assurance or substance of things hoped for and the evidence or conviction of things not seen. So today's story reminds us that the Hebrew people literally are running for their lives when they become trapped between a murderous Egyptian army and an angry and unforgiving sea. There's no way out. We find this story in the book of Exodus, which is the second book in our Bible. And so I'm going to ask you to turn there now to Exodus chapter 16. So you can turn in your Bibles or in your Bible apps to Exodus 16. We'll take a look at verses 2 and 3, but before we do that, I'll give you A bit of background while you look up the passage. Exodus chapter 16, beginning in verse 2. The Hebrew people have been enslaved in Egypt. Moses, who narrowly escaped death as an infant, is raised as a prince in Pharaoh's palace. Moses encounters God in a burning bush and is sent to set the people free. Pharaoh goes back on his promise to let the people go. The people narrowly escape only because of God's miraculous action, providing a way where there seems to be no way, literally parting the sea so that they can escape on dry land. So now we find the people in the wilderness where once again, there seems to be no way that they will survive. So let's take a look at chapter 16, verses 2 and 3. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. The Hebrew people had been enslaved For generations, working long hours in the hot sun to build Pharaoh's empire for zero pay, they were treated like animals, their population controlled by the murder of their children. Moses risked his life to lead them to freedom, which was only made possible by the miraculous action of God. And here they are safe and sound on a journey into a new life, a new way of being a promised land. And they are complaining because the food isn't good enough. You can imagine that Moses and Aaron and Miriam, their leaders, were shaking their heads. Thank heaven, God is more forgiving than people are. God responds to the grumbling of the people by sending food from the sky. Quail for meat and flakes called manna to be made into bread. So God makes a way where there seems to be no way. And that should not be a surprise to the people. God had just done that very thing by parting the sea on their behalf. But in their newfound freedom, all they could do was complain. Yet even amid that grumbling God provided, our Bible tells us that the people survived on that miraculous food for 40 years. And they even kept a jar of manna to pass down from generation to generation so that they would remember the faithfulness of God that God had made a way out of no way yet again. Beloved, this is one of those themes in our biblical story that I really want you to memorize. I want you to internalize this truth. God makes a way where there seems to be no way. The escape of the Hebrew people from Egypt and their experience in the wilderness are only two examples. Our Bible is full of many more. The birth of Isaac to Abraham, who was quite old, and to Sarah, who was thought to be unable to have children is one, as is the story of Joseph, Isaac's grandson, who was sold into slavery by his jealous brothers only to become a ruler in Egypt, and baby Moses, who was pulled from the river and raised as a prince of Egypt, and the everlasting jar of oil that a starving widow was sure was empty. And what about those three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were thrown into a fiery furnace and walked out unscathed? Likewise, you might remember the story of Daniel, who emerged from the lion's den without a scratch. And the birth of Jesus to an unwed teenager, and the resurrection of Lazarus, and Jesus' own empty tomb. We could go on. These are just a few. Of the stories, beloved, time after time, God makes a way where there is no way. There seems to be no way. And Jesus himself carried that narrative with him. He tells that story of manna in the wilderness in the Gospel of John. So I invite you now to turn to the New Testament. We were in the Old Testament. And now I invite you to turn to the New Testament, to the Gospel of John. John is the fourth Gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We'll be turning to chapter 6. John chapter 6, reading verses 31 and 32. John chapter 6. In this section, a crowd is following Jesus after he has served thousands of people. Thousands of people with two fish and five loaves of bread. So Jesus says to those in the crowd, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them Bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. There's a connection here that may be obvious, but it's worth paying attention to this morning together. In this teaching, Jesus is attaching the history of the people in the wilderness to what God is doing through him. Just as manna fell from the sky every day to provide for the physical sustenance of the people, Jesus has been sent to provide daily sustenance for our souls. And the sign of that healing, Jesus' healing and ours, the sign of that spiritual food is what we call Holy Communion. So manna, Jesus himself, our sacrament of communion, it is all the bread of heaven It is all the bread of heaven, and here's why that matters. Our celebration of Holy Communion brings the past into the present and assures us of our future, all in one live moment of God's continued grace. Communion brings the past into the present and assures us of our future because of God's faithfulness because our God makes a way where there seems to be no way and this truth is something that we celebrate every week at the communion table. Let me show you. Beloved, this is the table of Christ. And this means that I'm standing here as a conduit of God's grace with you. But this is Christ's table. Christ makes the invitation, Christ presides over the table, and Christ is present in a mysterious way in these elements. This sacrament is more than a symbol, it's a sign. It's a sign of God's grace that is an an experience of grace in and of itself. It connects all the saints of the church in all times and places. This experience is open to everyone without exception. And it's so powerful that John Wesley believed it was a converting sacrament, which means that people could encounter Jesus for the first time in these elements in the bread, and in the cup. And every week, beloved, we come together and to participate in this reminder that God is in the business of making a way where there is no way. This bread of heaven repeats that truth to us every time we celebrate communion. And not only is this our story, it's my story, Just weeks after, just weeks after I celebrated this belief that I would be single, I had this conviction, and I was celebrating, because I could see the future before me, and it was good. I met Jason. Uh Away out of no way. After we were married, we were told that we would never have children. We have three. Away Out of no way. After Jason lost his job and the employment opportunities for both of us seemed to be drying up in every direction, I was sent to El Paso to serve a wonderful church there. Away out of no way. And the morning star was in need of a pastor for the next season of ministry, but it was determined that I was not available. Yet here I am. (laughs) Away out of no way. God has made a way where there seemed to be no way in my life many times. This is my story. But it's your story too. You as individual followers of Jesus, you have stories of a way where there seemed to be no way, even if you haven't learned to think about it that way just yet. And maybe you're living that story now. We're going to take a few minutes to think about this in silence. And I want to encourage you not to dismiss this opportunity. So wherever you are in the sanctuary or worshiping online, take a deep breath. Get comfortable. Close your eyes if you feel comfortable doing that. Take a deep breath. Get comfortable. Close your eyes. As you ask yourself, where in my life right now does there seem to be no way? I'm going to take you through a guided meditation. Yes, you can opt out. But this will be a great way to prepare your hearts for the seasons of Advent and Christmas that are around the corner. So I'm going to ask you again, where in your life right now does there seem to be no way? Maybe it's a broken relationship, a financial crisis, a serious health situation, work stress, or grief so crushing you can hardly breathe? Where in your life right now does there seem to be no way? Just name that situation in your heart. Just hold it there and sit with it and feel it. The pain, the fear, the anxiety. And now, without dismissing the situation or your feelings, make room for the story of God in that same place, in that same space in your heart. Think about how God has shown up for you in the past. Again, even if you've never thought about it this way before, where has God made a way for you where there seemed to be no way? Maybe it was in the surprise of an unexpected friendship, the discovery of a talent, the provision of a place to stay or food to eat or healing of physical or emotional pain. When have you encountered God and emerged forever changed? And if you can't think of a time in your own life, focus on the creation of the world. The blessing of a people as numerous as stars in the sky. Freedom from slavery in Egypt. The birth of Jesus to a poor teen under great suspicion. The dramatic conversion of a murderous scoundrel like Paul. the liberation of the teachings of Jesus in your own life, the ultimate healing that we can find in his resurrection. Beloved, God makes a way where there seems to be no way. God makes a way. So hold the promise of that truth in your hearts right now as you dare to allow hope to rise up in you once more and make room for that hope alongside the pain of your situation and the history of God's faithfulness. It's at this point, it's in this place where hope can thrive. It's in this place where faith can grow. And remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So open your eyes. Saints, it is this brand of faith rooted in the faithfulness of God that allows our expectations to expand. And a new way, out of no way, to emerge. Amen. Amen. We are moving now into a time of prayer, and in our tradition, it is appropriate to acknowledge Veterans Day in the context of prayer. So I want to take this time to invite those who have served or are serving in the military to stand if you feel comfortable doing that, wave your hand if you don't feel comfortable doing that, or just sit and know that we see you. But if you have served, please let us acknowledge you in some way. Thank you, talk. Thank you. We will pray together now. I will say a few words and your response will be, it'll be clear when it's time, your response will be, we give you thanks, O oh God. Let us pray. Let us give thanks to God for the land of our birth with all of its liberties and for the wonder of our country's story. We give you thanks, O oh God, for leaders in nation and state, and for those who in days past and in these present times have labored for the commonwealth. We give you thanks, O oh God, for those who in all times and places have been true and brave, and in the world's common ways have lived upright lives and ministered to their fellows. We give you thanks. Oh God. For those who served their country in its hour of need, and especially for those who gave even their lives in that service, we give you thanks, oh God. Almighty God and most merciful Father, as we remember your servants, remembering with gratitude their courage and strength, we hold before you those who mourn today. Look upon your bereaved servants with your mercy. As this day brings them memories of those they have lost a while, may it also bring your consolation and assurance that their loved ones are alive now and forever living in your presence. For this gift of grace, we give you thanks, O God. Amen.